0: Well, greetings, brothers and sisters. Again, welcome this morning. Welcome to you. Uh, I hope that you all are, are doing well this morning. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. As you can see, we are closing out 1 Peter and we'll be done in, in just a, a couple weeks. last week finishing up chapter 4 we dealt with the last passage in first peter on suffering and enduring suffering as christians and the call was to stay on the narrow path <coughs> that follows christ in his suffering we heard do not be surprised when you face fi- fiery trials, as if something strange was happening to you. But to rejoice in suffering, you weirdos. Rejoice in suffering and trust in our sovereign Lord, our creator. Moving now into chapter 5, where like I said, we're finished with the explicit exhortation, encouragements of suffering, but the context of all of 1 Peter still continues in chapter 5. Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, turns his gaze now to the church, and in particular to the leaders, to the the elders, to the shepherds of the church, to a suffering church. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5 starting in verse 1. <clears throat> so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercise oversight not under compulsion with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord, and may his Holy Spirit move in our hearts to hear and to see his holy, inspired, inerrant word for his glory and for our joy. Amen. This past summer, we had a uh, between series, sermon series, between Ezra and Nehemiah and now 1 Peter, we had a short sermon series on the church where we asked several different questions. What is the church? Who is the church? Who leads the church? And how does the church grow? And in particular, we asked the question, who leads the church? We split that up into three weeks and dealt with with three very important issues, Elder-led congregationalism, what is an elder, and what are the roles of the elder? What is the role of the elder? And during those two weeks, we would look at 1 Peter chapter 5 as being the foundation of our passage for those weeks. So I had a dilemma knowing that we were going to go through 1 Peter, and as this week continued, the dilemma was, should we just skip over verses 1 through 4? And jump right into 5, 6, and the rest of the chapter. Or should we look at verses 1 through 5 again? And obviously, you know how I answered that question. And I want to tell you why. First, skipping over it would just throw off our groove. Okay? It'd definitely throw off mine. And I know some of y'all would throw off your groove. So we're, we're definitely going to hit it this morning. But second, this is a very important passage on church government and the ecclesiology, and then when you put it together with chapters 1 through 4, like we've been going through for months now, when you put it with suffering and persecution, there must be a very good reason why Peter, all of a sudden in chapter 5, would say, let's talk about elders now. Let's talk about the church, It's not a mistake. It's not something that was inserted later. And the reason why is because biblical ecclesiology meets the needs of the church, whether it is in suffering or is in prosperity. Third, brothers and sisters, the elders of the church are an extremely important part of the body of Christ. They're a very important part of this body. Over the last two years, we have been growing as a body in Christ and membership, and as we continue to grow, the need for elders grows along with it. Soon, one day, it might even be deacons as well, but that will be for another time. In the meantime, you all keep deaconing and serving one another. Sovereign Grace Church has elders, but Sovereign Grace Church will need elders, And the churches need elders. The church needs godly, mature, faithful, tender, kind, gentle, compassionate, courageous, upstanding, teaching men. And I say that emphatically, men. From all the qualities that we hear in 1 Peter 5 and from Titus 2 and 1 Timothy 3, all important qualities to see in an elder, but yet as the church, as everyone now, we should all recognize that these are qualities in some way or another that's appropriate for us that we should be pursuing, even though the goal for you is not to become an elder, but just to be godly and to be mature, but especially for our men, for our younger men, for our older men. All of you should be pursuing these qualities. Not all of you will be elders. Not all of you will be called to be an elder, but all of you men are called to be eldering in one way or another, eldering in your family, leading your wife or maybe your future wife one day in your children. You are all called to be eldering one way or another. And lastly, I want you all to hear this teaching in the context of an apostle who is inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is writing with such great love for these people. He truly loves them, and he wants to say, yes, here are shepherds And here are elders, and and this is what they are to be doing, but look further, look past them, and see Christ. See their love, see their shepherding, see their kindness as a type, imperfect type, of Christ. This sermon 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 5, brothers and sisters, beloved church, is for all of us. It is for the church, it is for elders, and it's for elders-to-be. For those who were here during those sermons during the summer, I apologize if this seems a little repetitive because this passage is about elders, and so that's what we have to talk about. We have to talk about the, the elders. So with that, I have four points that I want to make this morning, and I believe they come directly from the text. And that is, number one, an, elders, an elder shepherds under Christ. An elder, number two, shepherds like Christ. Number three, an elder shepherds to the glory of Christ. And number four, church members submit by grace. First, an elder, shepherds under Christ. We live in a society that is vacuous of real leaders. Even people who are in positions of authority prove themselves that they are really not leaders at all. In politics, in sports, in military, in business organizations, and even we've seen in churches when difficulties arise. They show how very little they have the ability, nor the spine, nor the courage to do what is truly right. One way or another, the consequences of poor leadership can be devastating and even deadly. But when the right leader comes along, it can change the course of history. Abraham Lincoln. Martin Luther, the founding fathers of our country, Winston Churchill, Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan. The reason why so many people do not want to be leaders is because leadership is filled with paradoxes. It's filled with glory, and it's filled with ruin. It's filled with privilege, and it's filled with torment. It's filled with love, and it's filled with hatred. A leader knows that with every decision made, inevitably, it will anger someone. Someone will disagree, or someone will be upset. And yet a leader still knows that the right decision has to be made at the right time. The best advice to a leader is, you'll never please everyone. You can truly, few, excuse me, can truly bear the responsibility required for leadership. And that also plays out in the church. But the Lord has given elders to the church as a gift to lead the church, even under persecution, right? This is the context of First Peter, that even under persecution, elders are, are given to be a blessing and to be a gift to the church, so that when the church is put under such immense pressure and strain, that it puts on the entire community. Because remember, we we learned last week that judgment begins at the household of God. That when the church is put under that kind of immense stress, the church needs good, strong, godly leaders. And this is why he starts with the instruction to the elders. So in verse 1, he says, So I exhort elders among you as a fellow elder in witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight. Now what Peter is saying Here first in in verse 1 is he's he's saying three things about himself. First, he says, number one, I am a fellow elder. I am a fellow elder. I am one of you. I'm one of them. I'm one of the elders. So as I am addressing you, I'm also preaching to myself as a fellow elder. And what's interesting here is back in chapter 1, verse 1, Peter called himself an apostle. Why didn't Peter just say, as as an apostle? Would we have not received that instruction just as right from an apostle? Absolutely. But Peter wants to come down to us and say, I am with you. I am a fellow elder. A fellow elder in the church in Jerusalem. He's preaching to them. He's preaching to himself. And he says, I am a witness of the sufferings of Christ which points us back to verse 13, that when we suffer, we share in the sufferings of Christ. That Christ traveled the same road of suffering before us. And and when we follow him, Peter is saying, I'm a witness to these things. And lastly, Peter identifies himself with the other elders by saying that I am a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Again, a phrase that should remind us of, of what we've been studying and what we've been talking about in First in Peter. Reminds us of the the glory of Christ that is going to be revealed in his second coming. The future reward that believers will receive. That's unfading. That's imperishable. This inheritance that gloriously awaits us. And when Christ is revealed, that glory will be revealed. And Peter says, I am like you and a recipient of these things. So Peter could have come with the authority that I am an apostle. And this is how you elder, but he comes in love. He comes as an equal. He comes as a fellow elder into to the body of Christ, as being a part of the body of Christ. He comes as one himself under authority. And that is so important. So, what is this fellow elder's exhortation? He says, to shepherd the flock that is among you, shepherd the flock. Shepherd those who are among you, right? The number of people that is, that is with you. Elders of Sovereign Grace Church do not shepherd the flock of Grace Baptist in Livonia or any other churches closer to us, but we shepherd those who are among us, right? And we call those who are among us members. We shepherd those who are members. The, uh, the elder's responsibility is to you, to this flock, to this local church. The Bible uses three words for the elder, for this office. Elder, bishop, uh, use a couple different words. Bishop, shepherd, pastor, same thing, and overseer. All of these describe the, the role and function of the overseer, of the elder, of the pastor. In 1 Peter 5 then goes on to describe the heart of the calling that an elder has for the body of Christ. Humanly speaking, one of the greatest impacts on the spiritual growth and the health of a church is the kind of leaders that they are following. If the men who serve in the office of elder are biblically qualified, are skilled and gifted to lead the church, the people will flourish even during persecution, even during suffering. They will grow in Christ. They will be unified in Christ. They will be maturing together in Christ. They will show the marks of that good conduct and holiness as Peter has been teaching us. The shepherd means then two primary tasks. Two primary weighty tasks. It means first to guard the sheep. To guard the sheep and to feed the sheep. Elders are to be mature enough to know where and what wolves look like. Wolves often dress up in sheep's clothing, and they come to seek and devour and divide the church from influential or popular heresies that seek to creep up into the body of Christ or outright persecution of the church from outside of the church. They are the ones that stand on the front lines. For example, a few churches in Canada over the last two years respectfully continue to meet together regardless of the prolonged mandates and lockdowns. And guess who were the ones who got arrested? Well, it wasn't Aunt Bessie. It wasn't Grandpa Joe. It was Elder John. It was the elder. It was the elders who were arrested and held in solitary confinement for nothing because they stood the front line. We may never face anything like that. However, as an elder, you put yourself in harm's way when you stand in the front of the sheep. When the sheep want to scatter in fear, when the the sheep want to to run even toward the, the wolves. The, the elder will put themselves in front of the sheep and in front of the wolves to protect the flock. We correct through teaching, and the elder confronts sin with truth and disruptors and heretics with truth and outside opposition with the truth, and we suffer the consequences that may come. And our weapon is the staff of God, the word of God. The second way the elder shepherd is to feed the sheep. The feed and to care the sheep for the sheep. What kind of shepherd would call themselves a good shepherd if the sheep are not led to good and nourishing grass and fields and clean water so that each sheep from the lambs to the older rams and and ewes are, are being cared for by the shepherd and nourished. The elders are called to feed The flock of Christ with the best grass and the cleanest water, and that is from God's word. This is why the elders are to be able to teach. Primarily, all the teaching should come and should be done from the elders, and all other teaching is under the oversight of the elders. The elders should always be tuned into the overall teaching of the ministry, from the songs that we sing, from whatever is taught in small groups, to what members are listening to, to what they are reading, to what they are watching, that we may be alert and aware if they are digesting rotten hay or bitter water. When theological debate comes in the church and and seeks to bring division, the elders Do not judge according to what they think or to what they feel, but based upon Scripture alone to instruct and teach the church soundly during controversies to settle the matter. Of course, there's more to shepherding than guarding and feeding or nourishing, but brothers and sisters, it is never less than that. The shepherd cares. The shepherd loves A shepherd is personally invested in the health and strength of its sheep. So shepherds take more of a hands-on role to make sure that the needs are met to their sheep, to pray with their members, or to give counsel when needed. Yet a shepherd also exercises oversight. We see that by leading the local congregation. There's a difference between the way that Eastern shepherds and Western shepherds shepherded. Shepherds in the West generally use dogs, and they drive the sheep ahead of them. Eastern shepherds, Middle Eastern shepherds, do not drive the sheep, but they lead their sheep. They stand in front of their sheep. They get to know their sheep. They put their sheep's Uh, uh, cares and concerns even above their own. The shepherds train their sheep to know the voice of their shepherd. Sheep know their shepherd and the shepherds make sure that the sheep are following them. Shepherds in the church watch over the souls of those who are under their care by leading them. They spend time with the flock, they understand their needs, and they apply God's word with precision. They regularly feed them with the truth of Scripture by unfolding the doctrines of God from God's word and to help them to stand firmly in faith and to endure. Church members, they're instructed from Hebrews 13, 17, to obey your leaders and to submit to them for they what? they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account and let them to do this with joy and not groaning, for, for that would be no advantage to you. This is certainly humbling to, to any elder who reads these words, knowing that we will give an account, that an elder will give an account for how they will lead. And an elder must, be, must lead by, with bravery and with courage. Because there are challenges and pressures from outside the church as well from inside the church. Elders will will face difficulty and they must be proactive even in gentleness and then to plot a course forward for the church, whatever the situation may be. Reaching out to members who are tired, confronting unrepentant, Members, budget challenges, big decisions, or any other important policy that might affect the spiritual identity of this congregation. Elders lead bravely and courageously, but not losing sight of the goal. The elder is, the church, excuse me, is is not is not to be a business that just serves customers and the elders are managers to, meet the, to have the best production or the best customer service or whatever it may be to serve the most customers. Rather, the elders lead church members toward maturity in Christ. That is the goal. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, it says, and he gave apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes elders shepherd, elders lead the flock to green pastures so that the sheep, so that the church may no longer be as children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, or the craftiness of deceitful schemes but they shepherd them and lead them to still waters and green pastures so that they would mature, mature in Christ and delight in Christ more. For the church to increase their joy in doing the work of the ministry, the oversight and shepherding is to lead the church into faithfulness, is to lead the church into the knowledge of Christ, and into maturity. This is why the church needs elders that shepherd under Christ. Second, an elder shepherds like Christ. Look back at verse 2 where we left off. He continues, Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The overall manner and the overall tone of an elder shepherd is to be one of compassion. It is to be one of long-suffering. It is to be one of selflessness. It needs to be said from the outset that Peter exhorts that an elder must be willing, as he says here, they must be willing to serve in this position. You know, there is a big difference between a soldier who volunteers for his service and another who has been drafted into, his serv- into the service. I know who I would want watching my back. I know who I would want to be in a foxhole with. Jesus was willing Was Jesus under compulsion to serve? Jesus willingly came and laid himself down, laid his life down for the sheep, and was a ransom for many. And same goes for the shepherd. He is not just another hired hand. A elder is willing who is appropriately in his areas of influence is already shepherding. They already have loved the sheep. They are already skilled and are able to guard and to feed the flock. Men, once again, all of you should be aspiring to be an elder and should be pursuing these qualities, knowing that only few of you will be called. And that's Okay. But every elder needs to be willing because an elder makes sacrifices, some great, some small. Again, they're putting themselves out there for attack. They're putting themselves out there for scrutiny from everyone. He must be willing. But he also shepherds not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Again, what did Christ gain Well, Christ gained glory and honor from his father. But what Satan offered him when he was tempted in the desert was what? Shameful gain. The shameful gain of of pride and wealth and power and and influence. And you see, this is the exact same very danger that exists not only for all of us, but in particularly those who who are elders, who think that the ministry, the pastorate, is a position for shameful gain, for financial gain, or for influence and power, or the stepping stone onto another denominational position, or political position. And so this we know that this is true because we see it. We see it in our world, that people who have made fortunes of being peddlers of God's word and charlatans, But listen to this. 2 Timothy 3, verse 2 is very firm in telling us that the lovers of money are deeply, deeply related to false teachers. Now, this does not mean that a church does not care for their elders. But rather, it is a warning to elders not to abuse the privilege of a church that cares for you. On the other hand, elders and shepherds are to be like Christ and model eagerness. I love that description because if you've ever tried coaching someone or teaching someone or train someone, and it doesn't matter how educated they are or how qualified they are or how talented they are, if they are not eager and willing to learn, you're, you're pretty much beating your head against the wall. What does Paul say? He says, kicking the goats. You're almost wasting your time. But if you find someone that's eager, if you find that one sheep or 10 sheep, ah, now you got something. Now you got something. The elder is to be eager, is to be that willing shepherd, not for shameful gain, not for shameful worldly gain or worldly glory. And even at his own expense, Because that is how our Savior has done it. And lastly, a shepherd is not domineering over those whom he leads. Shepherds, remember, do not drive the sheep. They lead the sheep. Sometimes a shepherd has to speak with authority. And they have to hold that staff out and say, not that way. But they are not oppressive. As many have done. Jesus told the disciples to do not imitate the Gentiles who use their authority to rule over the rule over others for their own advancement. Brothers and sisters, isn't that the mark of our cruel world? Tyrants, autocrats, bureaucrats, elites, People who are in a position of power just waiting to yield their authority, to abuse people and to advance their own position, and to advance their own wealth and their own influence. Elders do not use manipulation, we do not use threats, we do not throw the, the weight of authority that Christ has given to us lightly but rather, like Jesus, elders are to be examples to the flock as one who they can follow. You might remember that back in chapter 2, Christians are called to submit to their authorities, that God has placed over them. Even if they are suffering for doing good, they're still to endure. And it says that this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Christians have been called to this kind of posture, this posture of enduring and submitting to even wicked authority. Because Christ is our example. Christ is our example. And Jesus is our example of enduring through suffering. And he has given to us as well elders to be example to us in maturing and doing good and in suffering. Watch how the elder Handles stress in their life, how they respond to difficult people, how they respond when they blow it. Elders are to model the gospel in every angle of life, in their character. They are to let the church see the character of Christ lived out in their homes and in their community and where they work. Elders are to be at their best when they reflect Christ. No wonder then the qualification of the elder addresses and stresses the character of a man's heart and has very little to do with his talents or his charisma. I find this to be the hardest part of being an elder because I know I am a sinner and that I know I need the same grace that you do. And yet the example of an elder is is not for you to image me, to look like me. We want you to look like Christ as we are striving to look like Christ. The example of an under-shepherd, brothers and sisters, is always directing the sheep to look like the good shepherd and to follow their Savior. The hope of of a sheep is not... An elder. Your hope is not me. Your hope is not Bill or Kenny or any other elder that this church may ordain, but your hope is Christ. He is the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. But third, an elder shepherds to the glory of Christ. The work, elders, the work of the elders is sometimes like a rock in a hard place. That no matter which direction you go, someone's feelings are inevitably going to get hurt. Any decision that you make might be upsetting to someone, but a decision must be made. It's a decision that will cost the elders, it'll cost them, it'll cost the church in some way, it'll hurt the church in some ways. Yet the elders still must make godly, biblical, and wise decisions. That is, that even though it may hurt feelings, that's the rock in the hard place. Shepherding can be difficult, but shepherding also has, is, com- is filled with, with joy. It's filled with joy. The joy of preaching and teaching God's word. The joy of seeing people come to Christ. And people come to Christ not necessarily because you have preached the gospel and you have shared the gospel, but because another member has has went to them and has shared the gospel with them. You receive joy from that. You receive joy of leading the Lord's Supper. You receive joy of, of, of baptism and church membership. You see the joy of watching church members grow in Christ. You see the joy of seeing young men who love God's word so much, and sometimes you think they love God's word more than you. You see the joy of of weddings and children to be born among congregation. The joy of experiencing and seeing fellowship among the body of Christ. The joy of hearing and participating in singing. The joy of being loved by your church. I could keep going, but brothers and sisters, those are not the motives of an elder. They're glorious and they're wonderful. And we truly thank the Lord for such grace to see such fruit be given. But there have been many faithful men who are enduring even this day in ministry and yet have not experienced those kinds of joy ever. They have only suffered toil, and they have struggled, pushback, back, and stiff-necked sheep. The real motive to a shepherd is to the glory of Christ. In verse 4, it says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Again, Peter's theme of, of judgment and end of days and eschatological reward comes, comes forth because listen, one day the chief shepherd appears and I'm not the chief shepherd. Bill's not the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd is Christ. Elders are not perfect. Elders make mistakes. Elders miss their timing. Elders mistake things. Elders will sometimes not have a full view of a a situation. They're not omniscient. They're not all-knowing. But we have a chief shepherd who is, and he is the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd. And when he comes, brothers and sisters, listen to me, he will gather all of his sheep, and all his sheep that know his voice will come to him. The elder shepherds now. But this position of elder is only temporary. It is not forever. Because we look all look forward to following him, our chief shepherd, when he appears. And this is to be great encouragement to, to all of you, to me, to, to you, that he, is, that he is coming. That he is coming that we under-shepherd of his bride and that all the work, all the sacrifices, all the toiling, it's not wasted and that it's not for nothing. And that's the great temptation they people feel, elders feel, shepherds feel, pastors feel that it's all for nothing. And what Peter's saying is it's not. He says you will receive an unfading crown of glory. This week, the Olympics have started, and athletes are competing for medals, and they're competing for glory. And what Peter is contrasting here, the crown that the elders will receive, is the leafy crowns that was bestowed upon winning athletes and military heroes in the Greco-Roman world. But these crowns, the leafy crowns, they fade. Olympic crowns, Olympic medals will fade. Man's glory in the Olympics will fade. But the crown that is given by God will never fade. The leaf will never fade. The word glory is positional to crown, meaning that it's, it's difficult to know if the crown is this like, is this special reward for the elders and to, or is it just the, an entrance into heaven itself, that they receive glory in in this way. But either way, it will be unfading and it will be glorious. Therefore, faithful elders can be confident that they will receive the greatest reward. But it is all to the glory of Christ. These are the kind of elders that the church needs elders shepherds that shepherd to the glory of Christ and lastly he turns to the t- uh, to the church in verse 5 he says likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble this is how members are to respond to the shepherds that the Lord has given his church. He uses the word younger, and it probably refers to those who are literally uh, a younger member because younger people are generally more apt to be rebellious and to cast off authority. However, the context is clear that all members are in view because he says all of you, you yourselves clothe, all of you clothe yourself in humility. To submit, right? So all members are in view here, regardless of age, to submit to the authority of the overseers that the Lord has placed over them. Again, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls. They are shepherding you. And they're shepherding you as those who will give an account to the chief shepherd. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. To do this, the elders will shepherd you with joy. It will take humility on your part. Humility is what we clothe ourselves in. We put it on repeatedly because pride seeks to take over. Pride demands that you must be right. Pride is uh, is to serve yourself first, even when the elders and others have said otherwise. Humility submits and listens. Humility is slow to speak and quick to listen. Humility is a willingness to listen and to obey, even though you may not understand everything. Humility is saying, I will trust the Lord and submit to the elders that he has put over me. Elders must be strong and courageous, and they must be humble. We see that. But humility is not just for the elders, but it is for the church. For the church to function, even at the most basic levels, brothers and sisters, there must be humility. For an engine to run, it needs three things. Fuel, air, spark, and you better hope you have compression. And if you have those things, an engine will run smoothly for a little bit because it also needs oil. An engine needs oil to to run smoothly and to not lock up. Well, humility is the oil of the church. And for us to keep relating to one another and for this to continue to run as the Lord intended, there must be humility on all parts. He quotes from Proverbs three thirty-four, and he says, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the basic Christian living. Pride comes before the fall. And if we respond to leadership in pride, then who is going to oppose us? Certainly, man might oppose you, but what, the, what he says here, what will oppose us is God. But yet, when we are humble, no matter how hard it is to be humble, the promise is grace. That he gives grace. So he gives me, uh, members grace when they humbly submit. Members, submit by grace to the shepherds that the Lord has given you. The kind of elders that the church needs in all times, in times of suffering or in times of prosperity, are those that shepherd under Christ, who shepherd like Christ and shepherd to the glory of Christ. And the church needs members who are clothed in humility and are subject to the elders. Brothers, pursue the qualities of an elder. For some of you will be called to be an elder. The church needs you. But we all need humility toward one another to clothe yourself in it. And we'll talk more about humility next week. But praise God for elders. Praise God for their example to us. Praise God for their leadership and sacrifice. Praise God for their teaching. Praise God for their wisdom. And let's all commit to praying for our elders and for the future elders of Sovereign Grace Church. But let none of us forget how we all are to look forward in anticipation when the chief shepherd appears. And so I close saying, come Lord Jesus, even so come. And all the church says,